everybody. Welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent, dissident thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you as always from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host. I couldn't say that last week for some reason. <laughs> Calling in from Charm City tonight for a very special, actually, Thursday night episode of Musical Osmosis. My pal, Odell. What's up, man? What is up? So how are you feeling about tonight? Feeling great, man. This is awesome, man. I cannot. This is awesome. I mean, well, how, how can you? keep coming. Yeah. Talking to legends, talking to new artists, it's, it's been great. It's been a fun 2019. Yeah, you know what? That is true, man. 2019, at least for me, and I know we're not even halfway in yet, but yeah. us being in May, we're almost at the halfway point. I can kind of solidly say 2019 has been a better year than last year for me. Yeah, yeah. It's been awesome. It's going by fast, but it's it's been awesome. It has been a, a really great year. All right, and lurking in the shadows, <laughs> keeping us fine young gentlemen in line, the fabulous D, the producer. That's me. Hey, hey. So, <laughs> having L7 on tonight, well, having Danita Sparks from L7 on tonight, mm-hmm. more concisely, we are playing Shitless, my favorite song by him in the intro, and it got me to thinking, question, how many shitless do you think I'm on? Oh, God. I, I can't even I'm gonna, fathom. I'm going to let D answer that one. Yeah, probably. I mean, there are days when you're on mine, so if you can be on mine even for a half a second, you, you could be on anybody's. Like, I mean, dude, I know just personally from people who've been like, screw you, and blocked me, I know I'm blocked by at least 50 people. It's oh, probably yeah. closer to 100 over the years. There's been times that I've gone to read a comment thread and you know how you it'll say like three comments and you uncollapse it and it says two, and you're like, right. well, "Who has me blocked on here?" And I've gone to another page and looked at it. I've had people block me. I don't even know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it just... and I'm like, "Why did this person block me? They're not even on my friends list. I don't even know them, and they block me." They're doing the proactive blocking. Yes, preemptive strike. It's like I'm being fucking droned. That's what it is. Preemptively, digitally droned by people. We need to get this guy out now. Am I that offensive? No. No, no, not at all. No, people just... Compared to some of the stuff that... Yeah, people are... Yeah, it's funny. The people that call people sensitive are usually the ones that are sensitive. Oh, I mean, it's always a guy <laughs> screaming snowflake in your face. That's the getting pissed off about Razor commercials and Mad Magazine and Saturday Night Live and everything else. Exactly. You know, you think exactly. like, perfect example, Tim Allen, his show ran eight years. Um, what's the name of his show? Last Man, Last Standing. Man Standing. Yeah, that yeah. show ran eight years. That's a great run for a TV show. Most shows, you know, fizzle out five or six seasons. Yeah, yeah. And he was, like, whining all over Twitter how liberal Hollywood blackballed him and ran him out of the industry. And then oh, his show gosh. got picked up, as many shows do. In fact, Brooklyn yeah. Nine just got picked up by another network. His show yep. got picked up by Fox, the Fox Network, which is not a conservative network with The Simpsons and Family Guy and all that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just thinking, Tim, are you still the victim? A million dollars yeah. a fucking episode still? Are you still the fucking victim, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he yeah, he's yeah. flipping out what a victim he is, and he gets picked up by somebody else. I don't understand. I thought he got ran out of liberal Hollywood. <laughs> and it's not like, yeah, like like his career has spanned, what, 30-some years? Because his At other least. show, yeah, the other show was on forever. And then between that, he's on every freaking Hallmark and Netflix Christmas movie. Yeah, I was going to say, how yeah. many Christmas movies has that guy been in? Yeah, it's freaking Santa Claus 25. And then and then he gets this show that was going for almost a decade. Yeah, you, you, your life is your life is tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's real anyways, hard. <laughs> but I'm not going to jump down the political rabbit hole because I'm sure there's people of all stripes and um, universes listening into tonight's show. So let's right. just move on to what we have coming up. D, before you release the musical osmosis stuff, editorial note. Sunday, we are doing our very last episode of Kettle of Fish. So long wow. and thanks for all the Kettle of Fish. Yeah. Four years. 103 episodes. Mm-hmm. We've had so many legends on there, right? D. Jamie Farr, oh, yeah. William, of course, has been on there a bunch. John Lear, um, Curtis, of course, did the 100th episode. Mm-hmm. 
we've Margaret heard Kidder on there. Um, she was on our funny thing about politics. Oh, yeah, that's right. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Curtis Armstrong, of course, from Revenge of the Nerds. Um, Todd Newton from Whammy. I mean, the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have about 20 of our favorite guests call in and say goodbye for a special four-hour. I know you love those long episodes, Dee. Mm -hmm. A special four-hour episode on <laughs> Sunday. But we had to get, like, Christopher Wonder in and, you know, Deborah Lamb and all the Matt people who have supported the shows. Matt yeah. Geiler, of course. Awesome. Matt did the artwork for our network. Yes, he did. Oh, nice. Yeah. He yeah. designed that nifty tin can logo that you see everywhere. Oh, there you go. Three of them, yeah. I think, we've got. Um, and on that sad note, we're taking down the tin can network, the podcast network. Um, Fern can't be in as, as involved in a network with everything. Listeners know what's going on with her. So right. she can't be as involved. She's actually going back to Maine again after the show Sunday to take care of her mom. And she doesn't know when she'll be back. And, gotcha. yeah. you know, it was just, it was, it was like wrangling cats, keeping all of the podcaster outside, all the podcasters outside of us kind of on point. And it was just like, you know what? I don't do politics anymore. And ignorance equation was the flagship show. And Kettle of Fish has closed it down. We don't do the trivia show anymore. Let me just do one. Instead of doing like a dozen things pretty good, let me just do two things very well. Let me do music right. and help out with William's stuff. Run his social yeah. media, help with the book release. Um, his book, by the way, is out for pre-order. Yes, I'm that guy. It is out right now on Amazon for pre-order for, I think it's got 15 days left on pre-order. So everybody, okay. go get Google. it, get it. Yes. William Sanderson. Yes, I'm that guy on Amazon and pre-order it. Good stuff. He's from, of course, Deadwood, New Hardy was Larry, True Blood, Blade Runner. It's an interesting book. I know everybody's going to love it. And the Deadwood oh, movie yeah. is coming out very soon. We'll yeah. be in New Orleans. I don't even know if we'll see it because we'll probably be out partying when it comes yes. out. The we'll end have of the to month. have a viewing party when we get home. It'll be great. It'll be good. It'll be awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm looking. I just got into uh, the show on Stars that he's in because I just got that channel. Oh, American Gods. Oh, yeah. Yes. So yeah. So I just started watching that, and I'm like, oh my goodness, man. Woo. Oh yes. Why did I take so long to get into this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're getting old. Yep. We're falling behind in the latest trends. All right. I know, man. Who do we got coming up on Musical Osmosis well, this month? Well, this month on Musical Osmosis, we have Teresa Jean of The Nearly Deads. We have Bonnie Bloomgarden of Death Valley Girls. And I'm sure you're excited about this one. We have Scott Hill of Fu Manchu coming on. Ooh, Fu Manchu, ooh. baby. That's going to be a fun conversation. Yes. Oh, my goodness. For sure. Cannot wait. Oh. I didn't give the other half of this. Tin Can Media is shutting down, but we're launching a musical osmosis site. We're going to have video interviews along with the podcast, of course, written reviews of stuff. Yeah. And um, I'm thinking about, I want to stay in touch with all the like George Basils and Deborah Lambs and people from the comedy and movie acting side of things. So I'm right, thinking right. about doing like a quick 15 minute podcast a couple times a week where I just have a comedian on to talk about their favorite bands and stuff. Yeah, it'll be yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, think I don't want to lose those relationships. No, not at all. And 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 a lot of those people. I mean, if you think about it, music is a heavy influence in what they do, or has yeah. been a heavy influence in what they do. Um, I mean, Matt's in a band. A lot of those guys have side projects, yeah. music and stuff too. And I, some of these people, they've been calling into our podcast for six, seven years now. Wow. John Lear's been with us almost since the beginning. William's been with us almost since the beginning. I mean, they've, you know, call once or twice a year or more. Yeah. It, back in the ignorance equation days. And I just don't want to, like, go cold turkey and never talk to him again on air. That would be sad. Exactly. Exactly. All righty. Um, let me hit this quick story, and then we will get Danita Sparks in here. I Let's do it. You, I actually posted this, too, on our Facebook Heavy metal is now the fastest growing genre on digital platforms. It went up 154% in 2018. What is this new genre? Heavy metal? Never heard of this. Is it, is it about <laughs> science? Is it all about the elements? I, I, Lithium you know what? and carbon? <laughs> it's funny how things go in cycles, man. <laughs> But is this, okay, so here's the question I'm asking, because in the 80s, we grew up listening to metal, and it was huge. Yeah. That was its heyday. It was the 1980s, for sure. Definitely. And it kind of just 
torpedo just died out, nosedived when grunge hit the scene. I remember mm-hmm. like 50 bands I listened to broke up in like one year. Yeah. It and was a like, lot of no- bands didn't make it. Like Pantera somehow made it through and Iron Maiden, but a lot of those bands did not survive the grunge revolution. Yeah, well, the, the thing with, you know, it's funny you mentioned like Pantera, Iron Maiden. They had such that, especially Pantera, their sound changed so much from like the early stuff. Oh, yeah, Cowboys to, um, from Hell. Yeah. I mean, it was still intense. Yeah. The look, the, the, everything about them changed. And, um, yeah, and it, and, and it just held on. And actually, I think they had a number one album there. Uh, not, um, not Vulgar Display of Power, but I believe the one after that, um, you know, actually hit number one, debuted at number one, which was like a huge thing. And this is why all the other metal bands were disintegrating. Yeah. So, accomplishment. so yeah, Far Beyond Driven, I think it was what it was yep, called. Yep, that's but, it. Yep. And um, I think, uh, yeah, that was so huge because they weren't in the alternative scene. Yet they weren't, and like you said, they it was like, oh wow, here comes this metal band out of the blue that had been around, and all of a sudden, boom, their album hit number one. Well, you know what kept them relevant, I think, is they were more so than almost any metal band of that era I can think of. They were the living embodiment, embodiment of authenticity. They were yeah. such an authentic fucking band; it was hard not to love them. Yeah, yeah, I. I I didn't get into them until I got to college. My my roommate Nick, that you remember, he got me into them, and um, I was like, "Where have these guys been all my life?" And uh, yeah, it, amazing. Still to this, it's it's you know, unfortunately, you know, sad things have happened, but um, yeah, such a great band, such a great band. So is this metal? Like, is this a resurgence? And there's a bunch of new metal bands coming in because I don't follow metal like I used to. You know, I'm more into the punk mm-hmm. side of things the mm-hmm. past 15, 20 years. Is this mm-hmm. kind of a resurgence of a whole new generation? Or is this everything old's new again? And all the guys are, I mean, because you know how many comebacks I've seen? Voivod just did a comeback. Sacred Rights yeah. got a comeback after 20 years has a comeback album. I mean, all these old bands are coming back. Is this driven more by nostalgia? Even Kicks, who we had Steve on here not too long ago. Is this mm-hmm. driven by nostalgia of all these bands coming out and putting albums out over the past year or two? Or is this a bunch of new metal acts coming in there and driving the scene? I, I would like to think it's a combination of both. I, like you may, you hit a you hit a great point about um, you know you're seeing a lot of bands do these really big summer tours. Like you can get you can get you know Poison and and uh, Quiet Riot and you know four other metal bands and they'll play like Jiffy Lube live and it's sold out or Meriwether uh-huh. Post Pavilion and it's and it's like you know full on. Def Leppard is, is huge, and you're, and you're starting to see a lot of these bands also get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, too, which is, you know, which pushes a lot of, uh, pushes some numbers as well, so, and, but on the other end, I do think there's a lot of newer bands. I don't necessarily know if they're, like, metal metal. I'm not really sure, but that, they're still fitting that genre, so I think um, you're starting to see a lot of newer bands come back to that as well, too. Well, um, heavy metal slaughtered every genre under it. J-pop was at 133% growth, and RB was 68. K-pop, mm-hmm. what the hell is the difference between K-pop and J-pop? I have no clue. How J-pop <laughs> is from Japan, K-pop Japan is Korean. Oh, and... uh, thank you, D. He's kicking the musical knowledge, yeah. So they had slaughtered, but here's what I found interesting. The streaming growth in Africa for heavy metal grew 146%. Mm-hmm. Asia was at 52. Then mm-hmm. you got Europe at 35, South America at 32. At the bottom of the list, you have fucking North America. And we kind of wow. touched on this a few times this past year, how I used to read Kerrang! Because Europe was always ahead of us, culturally, yeah. when it came to music. And it seems like the same thing's repeating itself once again, bringing up the caboose on this whole resurgence of metal is North America. What do you think it is about this country where we're always a step behind musically, it seems like? I think, I don't know if it's, and this is just from my personal experience. I remember uh, when Susan and I went to England a couple years ago, they like all kinds of music. So we could go to a club and they were playing 90s hip hop music and you would have thought it came out yesterday. And, like, I, mean, I remember we went and saw uh, a couple really cool, like, um, like uh, acid jazz type bands 
and groove bands there with uh, Surge. And then, but while we were in the lounge area or the reception area, all of a sudden, you know, the, the show's over and everybody's by the bar, and all of a sudden, Straight Outta Compton comes on. And the place went nuts. You would have thought that NWA was the newest thing that had ever come out. And we were like, whoa, these people are wow. like, they went nuts. I mean, people were, and I don't even know how to dance. I don't even know how to dance to straight out of comp. I wouldn't even know what to do. I, it's not a song that I, you know, it's not that type of song. But people were, they were like, yeah, straight out. They were just going off. Is there we passion like, for music deeper than ours, do you think, in general? I, I, I really think so, because, um, not to get away from the metal scene, but I remember watching an interview um, with uh, KRS-One and watching uh, guys like De La Soul and some of the older hip-hop heads. And people were like, well, you know, you're, you're not really, you know, you know, you're not the same way as you were back in the 80s and 90s here in the States. And they were like, that's fine with us because all we do is tour Europe and Africa. And, we're, and those, the same acts that are here in the States are opening for them overseas. So, like, he was like, you know, a guy like Drake or a guy like, uh, you know, a J. Cole or whatever, who's a pretty big, you know, or who are bigger artists in the States. Over in Europe, KRS-One is headlining their shows. You know, De La Soul's headlining their shows with those guys opening. So he was like, we, we're fine. We, we're still making money, and we're making a lot of money. It's just in Europe, and it's in Africa. I mean, most deaf basically move to South Africa, uh, Yasin Bay. He's in South Africa now. He comes back to do some albums and stuff, but he moved out and went to Africa. So, Jeez, it's like there's an yeah. Alice in Wonderland looking glass separating us and Europe. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, and the other continents. Yeah, it's it's amazing how that works. And then even some of the artists over there, if you listen to what they're doing, and speaking of metal, it wouldn't surprise me if you find a lot of artists that are really true to the metal because I know there's a lot of them over that are true to the R&B, like the old school R&B sound. And you're like, oh, who are these guys? And they're, they're sounding like, you know, Steely Dan or they're sounding like these guys. So it would not surprise me if you go over there and you find guys sounding like Maiden and sounding like Metallica and sounding like, you know, whoever you like back in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, and I want to get more of those bands in here. And I got to tell you, man, it's no secret. I mean, we've had a veil. I'm friends with Corey from Warrior Soul, so we've had him on mm -hmm. a bunch. And we had Killer Dwarfs on one episode, but Lips I got to tell Anvil, you, man, yeah. yeah, Anvil, a couple, yeah. you know, out of 80-some episodes, but the 80s metal bands, people from those bands, those are the hardest cats to book. Oh, I know. I remember it is we so thought of hard for me to get, and there's been several times we were supposed to, I won't mention names, big yeah. metal act, someone from a big gotcha. metal act in the 80s, and, you know, we talked three, four weeks, and it just tapered out, and they got this interested in doing it. It's just yep. really hard to get those guys on air with us for some reason. Yep. I would love yep. to talk to more of them. Oh, we had Steve from Kicks, of course, on here not long ago. But right, it's been right. under a half, you know, it's been a half dozen tops out of 80 some shows, and it's not from a lack of trying. I try to yeah. mix oh, it yeah. up. Also, kind of harder to get rap acts in here, too. We've had a few of those, too. But I, yeah, and it's funny because I think if we, you know, were to target European or African. Uh, metal acts or rap acts or people that I guarantee you we we wouldn't have a problem or it would be a lot easier. Just you know the time situation would be the, yeah, the biggest. That's issue. what I was gonna say. That time difference, man. We end up having to do these on Saturday, just like we had to mm -hmm. do it with um, Jughead because he was in yep. Japan, and it's just, yep. it's crazy. And then you have to worry about Skype International. Okay, we're we're going too much behind the curtain. No one wants to hear this stuff. <laughs> let's get tonight's guest in here. Yeah, right, let's play a snippet from Burn Baby off the new L7 album, Scatter the Rats, due for release tomorrow. And then we will get the fierce Danita Sparks in here to chat all about the new album and L7's amazing history. Yes. Hit it, D. Alrighty, that was a snippet from Burn Baby off L7's upcoming album, Scatter the Rats, due for release tomorrow, May 3rd. And on the line, we have the fierce founder, frontwoman, and guitarist of L7, and someone in my mind who has poured a ton of heart and soul, not to mention fun, into the music scene over the years, the legendary Danita Sparks. Danita, how's it going? I'm great. Thank you for that lovely intro. 
That was really nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you had a big <laughs> um, impact on my youth. I can't thank you enough for calling in. And yes, I'll you did. try not to be a total freaking idiot fanboy on this episode. But I do okay. want to tell you a quick story because you had such an impact on me and a lot, I'm sure a lot of people's youth. Me and Odell grew up in a small town, at least at the time it was a small town, outside of D.C. called Waldorf, Maryland. And I was a guy who hated the radio. I liked aggressive music. I didn't really have access to punk rock. So the only music I was into was what they showed on MTV, which was heavy metal. And I didn't quite feel connected to heavy metal. It was okay. You know, I'll still put an Iron Maiden album on from time to time. It's great music. But I never felt that connection to it. And then MTV through 120 Minutes and Headbangers Ball started playing things like DRI, Suicidal Tendencies, L7, bands that had more of a metal edge musically, but their attitude and roots were more in punk. And that kind of kicked open the door for me to go out and search for punk music. And I just kind of want to thank you for that, because if it wasn't for bands like L7, I don't know if I ever would have got turned on to punk music, which is where I personally found my tribe. Wow, that is amazing because I, I um, that that's really great because uh, you know we always wanted to um, uh, get get in front of the public. We wanted to reach people in small towns in in the suburbs, um, you know, because we were we were all the rage in the underground cities. Right. We'd be on tour, but reaching mm-hmm. those people who really needed the most lifelines was really important to us. And so I'm glad that we gave you a, a lifeline, even if that was just a musical one. So that's super cool. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, too, because when we play festivals these days, it's usually either a metal festival or a punk rock festival. Like, so both of those camps um we we crossed over into and we still find the love from those tribes which is really great we find the love from those tribes more than we do like the indie rock scene so which is where we were mostly from you know so it's super cool so thanks for that story i love it well and i'm glad you brought that up about the indie rock scene because even today you know for the past two weeks since i heard that you guys since we booked you and i heard you guys were coming out with your new album tomorrow i started reading articles about you guys all the latest articles and it'll say rock band punk band metal band even grunge pioneers indie band and it's like even to this day nobody can label l7 and to me that's a good thing that's why you guys are so special because you're a band you just can't put a fucking label on there should be more of that and you should see us trying to edit our our press releases because it's difficult (laughs) you know it's like it is it's a challenge it's like well oh god what are we what you know because because people want these um these these category words because it it, uh, it makes journalism journalist life a little bit easier, and it also helps the public kind of figure out who you are if they've never heard you. But it's but coming from yourself, it's like, well, how do I describe myself? You know, so it's it's uh, it's always a challenge. Absolutely, and I mean, I consider you guys punk rock. I won't say music absolutely punk rock but i also consider john adams and patrick henry and thomas Paine punk rock it's an attitude to me more than it is an actual genre of music odell do you kind of feel the same way because i mean we came from the same town yeah i was i was about to about to ask that like i know you guys you know you came out to the mid late uh, 80s and into the 90s so is it is it harder to identify your music now or was it harder when you guys first came out what how did you like go about like cuz i know back in those days it was very like okay this is a metal club this is a, like a punk club this is you know a hip hop club so how how did that go about when you guys were first coming out well we came from the art underground in LA so mm-hmm. first we were playing like a whole wherever we could play like at uh, in, in the doc, in our documentary, uh, L seven pretend we're dead. This is touched upon, which is like, we played wherever we could, which was mostly at like poetry readings, drag shows, uh, performance art venues, uh, you know, and then maybe an occasional punk rock show or something. And then, and then, um, 
we were playing the underground clubs uh, that were neither metal nor completely punk, but probably more punk. But, um, you know, the underground was a little wider than what it sort of, it got more categorized a little bit later. But, um, yeah, so that's where we came from. Is it harder to to categorize yourself now or was it harder back then? If, If, you know, as L7 right now, like you said, you either play punk or metal, like sort of like what Nick was saying. I never really categorized you guys. It was just like, oh, yeah, that's L7. You know, I never was like, uh, you know, a lot of our friends were always like, well, they're not punk enough or they're not metal enough. And I was like, oh, no, they're L7. And, 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 uh, exactly. So that, that was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we, we are now sort of, um, from a lot of press people, we are now mm-hmm. sort of in, um, the, the sort of realm of like a lot of bands that were, um, not completely categorizable per se. Uh, we are now um, amazingly sometimes uh, re- uh, being referenced in the same sentence as like the Stooges or ACDC yeah. or the Ramones. Very kind of like um, aggressive, but but also with melody. And um, all those bands had aggression and melody. So um, we're kind of, uh, we consider ourselves a rock and roll band that's what the Ramones considered go. themselves too. So right. It's that's, very, it. it's rock and roll. It's meat and potatoes, rock and roll. And, and, but we also have something to say sometimes, sometimes we like absurdity and sometimes we have something to say. So we've got a little bit of humor. We've got a little bit of, of seriousness. We've got a little mm-hmm. bit of um, weird poetry at times. And uh, so we're all that stuff. We feel very free to do uh, whatever kind of music we feel like that usually winds up though in somewhere in the rock realm. You know what I mean? But because of the internet, things have changed so drastically in the, in those early days of coming up through the metal scene. Cause I know you had to come up a lot through the metal ranks because you were classified as kind of a metal band, especially through headbangers ball and stuff. Were you, did you feel like an outsider coming up through the metal ranks, especially back then? Cause metal had a lot of elements of misogyny in it back in the 80s we i don't even know how we got into the metal circles to be honest like (laughs) and it was but i'll tell you it was always um welcoming you know there was such a revolution going on within metal because of grunge where a lot of the metal people were like well god you know we don't have to get so complicated with what we're doing, you know, cause it, mm-hmm. metal was getting very, very complicated. Oh yeah. And, um, yes, it was. And, yes, it was. And I think that, um, some of the guys in metal were like, Oh, none of these bands can play. And some of them were like, Ooh, maybe we're getting a little too virtuoso. So, you know, I remember reading an article by Metallica and, and Kirk Hammett said that they were getting, um, too, complicated before their black record and he had thrown out some bands that he liked that were not that complicated and we were one of them so i Mm -hmm. feel you know like so it's amazing because their black record is like my favorite metallica record and like to 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 know that we were somehow in their brains for that record uh amongst some other bands that's amazing you know because uh we love metallica and but we were just kind of, we're just kind of, I don't know. We just got picked up by the metal scene, by Kerrang! in, in the UK and um, mm-hmm. some other metal zines. And so that's how we got into that thing. But we never played metal clubs in LA ever. Oh, really? But yeah, but like all of a sudden Slash was wearing our shirt and like Alice in Chains. Were, well, the Alice in Chains weren't really that metal, but, um, you know, these bands were... Uh, into us like faster pussycat yeah, yeah. And metallica and 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 guns and roses so it was kind of you know i don't know it was accidental and see i'm a weirdo because once again you mentioned faster pussycat and i didn't kind of consider them a metal band i've always considered metal more of an attitude than the actual music that was flowing from the instrument and you guys had a very punk do-it-yourself attitude and that's kind of in my mind because i guess we're human beings we always want to categorize stuff but that's where i always Mm -hmm. categorized you guys was in the punk genre because that's 
you, like I said in the intro, you guys opened the door for me to get into punk. And once I started listening to solid like punk bands like Pegboy that are only known for doing punk music or the Digits or Millions of Dead Cops, it never made me think of you guys less of punk. If anything, it made me think of you more of punk. So that's that's such a weird line we draw. Well, and it's so weird too. Like, how do you view suicidal tendencies? Are they punk or yeah. are they metal? They're kind of they're kind of in between. And you know, suicidal. We loved suicidal. Susie and I loved suicidal, but we would love especially their slow when they would hit the slow part of the song, and that was a huge mm-hmm. influence on us because we were not and are not virtuoso players. And we don't like really busy, wanking leads. We like simplistic Flintstones. We, we were like a punk rock band doing Flintstones punk. I mean, Flintstones metal, you know? And so, uh, which was very um, fresh at the time because we were art punks doing, trying to do something, you know, aggressive, but in a slow way. So, you know, it, it, was, it was part of the recipe for sure, but that we got embraced by that scene was completely surprising because, you know, we were an anomaly. Well, is that, you know? well, was that is that like well, because a lot of times when I got in the when I got into you guys, I, that was around the same time that I uh, like I got into like Nirvana, I got into um, Sonic Youth, I got into uh, Mud Honey, um, all of those bands. Alice in Chains, you just spoke of, was one of those bands that. I, the first time I saw him was on Headbangers Ball, but I was like, they're not really like Headbangers Ball-y, if you will. They're more like, I, I, I didn't really consider them a metal band. Um, Soundgarden was another one, too. They, they, they were able to mix that. They were really able to blend that. If you listen to, and you know this more than we do, um, they were really, they could get technical like that if they really, really wanted to. But then all of a sudden, they would just come with some stuff that you were like, okay, yeah. So... Did you find yourself more in relation to those bands than the the metal bands, if you will? Well, you know, um, we are considered by some to be architects of grunge, and grunge mm-hmm. was sort of the the mashup with a lot of that stuff, right? So it was kind of a mashup of metal, but also with some melody and um, with a punk attitude, and so you know, it was just sort of that a lot of um, a lot of blending of all those things that kind of what grunge is. So, uh, you know, you know, for a long time we hated the, we hated the label grunge, but now we hashtag it because that's how people identify us a lot, especially younger kids. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah. So grunge is cool by us, you know, like when we hashtag stuff, it's like, Rock, punk, grunge, metal, we hashtag all that stuff because that's what we are. It's so bizarre as humans how we have to categorize everything. All right, let's shift gears here because I really want to talk about the new album, Scatter the Rats, which is due to release tomorrow. Let me ask you, after 20 years going back in the studio with the original members, L7, did everything fall into place naturally or was there a period of adjustment before you got that energy back? Well, recording is always a weird thing. Recording's always, uh, you know, like for us, it's always been a weird thing, you know. So, um, right. uh, you know, you've got you've got monetary restraints, constraints. You've got time constraints, but you know that can all help you move the ball forward as well. So, um, it was uh, kind of like that. We didn't have a big budget, but we found amazing people to work with um, a guy named Norm Block in Los Angeles and uh, a, guy, a guy named Nick Lanay, uh, who's kind of worldwide. But, right. um, yeah. Nick so, gave it uh, yeah. He did stuff with them. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He did. And the yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yep. so, you know, we, we had uh, um, those two guys. And so, um, yeah, it was cool. You know, some, some, listen, sometimes uh, it gets, it gets, tense in the studio and other times it gets really fun so it's it's that same thing we've always had you know uh 
Was the chemistry, yeah. though, something you guys felt like you had to work on to get it back? Or was it like you hit that first chord and you're like, oh, yeah, you never forget. Now I remember. Like, did it just click immediately or did it take a little bit of work? Um, it clicked immediately. But, you know, we've always had it where, like, each one of us brings in songs, you know. So it's not like there were a few songs that we jammed on. And, you know, one, one song, that, which is the title song of the album, Scatter the Rats, we wrote on the spot in the studio that day. And um, that was really cool because we usually go in prepared, you know, but um, that was a track that we did right there, right then. And it was, uh, it was super cool. And we each take a verse on that one too. So, um, and I had everybody leave the room so we couldn't hear each other's verses. So there's a different melody on each verse from each one of us. So it's really kind of an interesting song. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I'm glad you brought that up because I love the story behind that. And wasn't the actual album title is because somebody went down in the basement. It was like, all right, plug in, play the music, and you guys can scatter the rats. Isn't that where it came from? Well, um, we recorded in a, in a house in uh, Silver Lake, uh, Los Angeles. And in the basement of the house is where our producer, Norm Blatt, had the amp, you know, had the cabinets. So the heads were upstairs in the living room, but the cabinets pushing out the sound were in the basement. And he had discovered that some rat shit down there. <laughs> he was like, okay, guys, we got to get out of here. Anytime we would take too long of a break for, for dinner or whatever, he'd be like, come on, let's get rocking. We got to get rid of those rats, you know? And, um, and, and that's what we did. We would, we would, plug in and scatter the rats because the amps would come on, you know, the, the sound would come out. So, uh, you know. You yeah, not many stories like, much more punk rock than that. Actually getting like, punk. yeah, fucking scattering <laughs> the rats by playing music. And let me tell you, I had a chance to listen to this album. There is a lot of great songs on here. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to me because I watched a couple videos. I watched that video you guys play in that um, promotional event for the Captain Marvel movie. And yeah. I was listen to the new album and by the way if you just want some feedback stadium west is my favorite song on that album and then murky water cafe is probably a close number two just if you want that's amazing yeah you can't believe what that uh that's so interesting okay that's great yeah i mean and that's great that whole energy grabbed me and the thing that's playing through like the little reel in my head is man they have not missed a fucking beat it's been 20 years you have not (laughs) thank you so much that's so great no and it's um yeah no i'll i'll I'll, after after uh this interview i will talk to you for one second about what you just said so but i can't say i can't talk about it right now ah um, gotcha yeah no but I, i love that I love that that you uh, that those uh, that you like those tracks. That's great. Yeah, and like I said, you guys didn't miss a beat, and it just feels like you never forget how to ride a bike. The vibe I got, and that's why I was asking that question before about did it click immediately. Was like it's just L seven, and as soon as they start hitting those chords, bam, L seven comes to life like it's a entity of its own. Well, and I'll tell you, you know, our drummer D broke her arm last year and she broke it on the eve of our European tour. Oh, and wow. so we had oh, to scramble. Wow. We had, yeah, it was, it was bad. And we had to scramble and get drummers, like basically get on a flight, land in the UK and have, you know, we got, we got Adam Ant's drummer, uh, this gal named Yola for the first couple shows. And then we got our old drum tech for the rest of the shows, but it was, um, and although they're both great drummers, we missed D so much because without oh, D, bet. we are not L7. It's just, I mean, I mean, we, we, we pulled it off live, but it's like we all missed her so badly because she's got such an amazing style that's very simplistic, yet deceptively, mm-hmm. deceptively simplistic. And um, she just rocks, you know, she just yeah. flat out rocks. There's no... There's no fancy flourishing going on. She just rocks, rocks, rocks. So uh, that was, you know, the fact that she can play and still kicks ass, it made us click immediately, you know. Right on. Um, real quick, I want to go back to the Captain Marvel thing. 
because I'm a huge comic book nerd. I've been collecting comic books 40 plus years. Does this mm -hmm. open a door for you guys to end up on some Marvel movie soundtracks? Because I would love to see that. Well, here's the funny story on that. We were a contender uh, to be on the, on the soundtrack. And um, Brie Larson actually uh, trained to our songs and a couple of Bikini Kill songs as well. And, nice. Um, yeah. She even, they even shot the scenes to, it was either Fast and Frightening or Fuel My Fire by L7. And um, we didn't make the soundtrack. And we were supposed to make the soundtrack. They contacted us and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, they gave it to Nine Inch Nails. So, oh. <laughs> oh, so wow. I feel like L7's a better fit than Nine Inch. Not saying anything about Nine Inch Nails, because I love Nine Inch Nails. But L7 has that driving dirty sound that I feel like fits in better with a superhero movie than the nine inch nails industrial thing. The only thing I'm thinking is maybe they needed something darker and nine inch nails are darker than that's we are. true. You know, maybe they needed yeah. that industrial yeah. thing, but the painful thing about it was this is, you know, a female superhero and it takes place in 1990 Los Angeles. And it's like, yep. we would have been the perfect, perfect band for that. So it was, it was painful in the sense that we could have used the exposure and we could have used a little bit of, um, uh, you know, financial <laughs> gain from it because every one of these soundtrack things helps with um, keeping the band afloat, you know? So to not gotcha. get that was kind of, a, it was a big ouch. It was like, oh man, that would have been such a little, you know, keep us going. Because it's really it's really hard to keep a band floating financially. So especially um, nowadays, nowadays. And you know, uh, it's, 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 it's not easy, you know? So, um, hopefully we can, you know, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll be touring this record and we'll see where we are at the end of that, you know? And, and sometimes it's really just <laughs> down to, dollars and cents you know so uh yeah that's where we're at all right I, I know uh, real quick danita i'm uh uh i'm we're nick and i are both from maryland i've been i've lived in baltimore since 2004 and i'm a huge john waters fan so i can't thank you enough for being in serial mom that is one of my all-time favorite movies yeah, Hammerjack Camel used to be one of our hangouts. Hammerjack was our hangout. Camel Lips, you guys oh. are great. <laughs> and I just when when Nick told us that we were going to be talking to you, I was like, that's the first thing that popped in my head. I was like, oh yeah. So thank you so much because you guys kicked ass in that movie. <laughs> that was uh, that was not even a dream come true. That we, one doesn't even dream that they can be in a John Waters <laughs> movie. It was completely out of the blue, and. Um, you know, one of our favorite directors of all time. And, um, yeah. and then we were in the film and it was just really surreal and really, really cool. And we, we saw John recently, we played his birthday party and, uh, okay. and it was a, it was a public event. It was in Detroit, but he has an annual birthday at this club in Detroit. And, uh, we saw him there and we were hanging out. It was really, really great to see him again. Cause he's, uh, He's a funny dude, and he's got a yes, he, yes, cool perspective. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, John Waters is a legend. All right, well, let's finish up with this, because I want to talk about that Epics panel that you were on. I've seen a lot of different clips from that panel, and this is to promote <laughs> the Epics Punk series. <laughs> and I only got to watch the first episode of that. But I've, I've seen so much about it. One thing I couldn't tell, though, from the videos, because there was like a seven-minute video or a six-minute video here and there, were you moderating that panel or were you just part of it? Because you really seem to take charge in some parts of that you panel. You took charge of that bad boy. Well, what's interesting was I was not moderating it. A, a guy from Rolling Stone named Corey Grow was moderating it. and He was on the far left, and he was in the shot. And I was on the far right. I wasn't even in the shot. So it was like, you know... <laughs> It's weird. Like I, I, I would have been whoever, whatever bonehead was shooting that thing. I wasn't even in the shot. So the only chick on the, the only chick on the panel wasn't even in the shot, you know? And, um, right. So finally the camera moved and I was in the shot. So uh, thank God for that. Cause otherwise I would have put on makeup for absolutely nothing that night. But, um, 
I mean, you took control of that, Danita. You took control of it because, you know, John was up there and he was getting a little carried away. And, like, him and Marky, that part, that portion, and, and God bless Henry Rollins, he, took, he was just taking it in stride. Like, this is great. I ain't pulling my phone out, and I'm going to film all of this. But when, you, when, you, when they were trying to talk over you and you were just like, hold up, wait a second, let the lady talk. Yeah. And I, they all sort of just, like, just calmed down, and, and then the panel went on. So, God bless you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, telling John Lydon to take it easy, Tiger, was uh, probably a highlight of my punk rock life. But uh, – <laughs> <laughs> and he actually listened. So, uh, yeah, but I love John Lydon. Yeah, I love John Lydon, and I love the Ramones. And so – seeing these two uh, go at it with each other was um, uh, it was hilarious because they get, you know, they were both, they were both, it was like Zingerville there, you know, this guy gave a zinger and then that guy gave a zinger. It was, it was just incredibly entertaining. I was loving it. I I, I thought it was incredibly punk rock, you know, and um, it was, it was, uh, it's pretty wild. All right. Well, let's end there because I know we got to get you out of here, Danita. I cannot thank you enough for calling in today. Um, let everybody know, though, all the listeners, what do you want everybody to know about the new album, about Scattered to Rats? Well, if you like rock and roll, uh, you will dig this record. And there's a lot of heavy stuff, and there's some uh, um, slower stuff. Like you said, Murky Water, and there's a song called Holding Pattern, which is slower as well. And, um, you know same themes we write about uh isolation frustration um all that kind of stuff and um comes out on may 3rd on blackheart records we'll be touring uh the bash festival this summer right so uh our own dates so um and that bash festival has suicidal on the bill right and rancid suicidal we're so excited yeah (laughs) That'll be a great combination. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to make it up to see one of those. All right. Well, we'll get you out of here. Like I said, this has been a true treat. Um, Before you go, where can everybody find you on the interwebs? Where can we find L7? You can find L7 um, at our Facebook page, which is uh, L7 Official. And we have Instagram, um, L7 The Band. And we have a website, L7 The Band, as well. So um, come check us out. Follow right us on. in. All righty, indeed. And everybody, definitely check out this album when it comes out tomorrow. I'm just blown away. Like I said, L7 has not missed a beat. I felt like I was reliving yeah. my youth rocking along to this album. Right on. All righty, oh, guys. We will be back next week. Until then, remember, no matter how you choose to rock, make sure you never stop. Bye, guys. Take care.